Podcast. I'm your host, Johnny, and here is my co-host, B.W. How are you doing today, B.W.? Hey, doing great today. Enjoying doing the nice great. weather still. Yeah, still nice weather outside, and spring is here, and spring is sprung. So we are, we're happy to uh, have spring sports outside and go outside. So, uh, well, we, we ha- we're, have a very special show today. We're joined by uh, a great uh, Mississippi State uh, legend in the basketball uh, area, and uh, y'all might know him um, from his playing days at Mississippi State, and he uh, he was a former classmate of mine and just an all-around great guy. Uh, Shane Power, welcome to the show, Shane. It is my pleasure to be here, guys. Well, well thanks so much for joining us. Well, well first of all, I just want to uh, say, tell the listeners uh, what you've been up to uh, in case they haven't seen you from your playing days. Where, where are you living now and what all, what all are you doing? Absolutely. So we, uh, my family, my wife and I, Adrian, and our two little girls, Leon and Solis, uh, we live in Gilbert, Arizona, which is a suburb of Phoenix. Uh, been in Phoenix, I think, almost 10 years now. And uh, president of a large healthcare company uh, was Water Tree Health. Um, now it's uh, rebranded as BuzzRx. And uh, similar to some of the things you do, Johnny uh, and Brandon, a uh, cause-driven company. And every time someone saves with our saves on their medication with our discount card, we donate to charity. So we've been able to donate uh, over 500 wishes to Make a Wish. Uh, we're approaching five and a half million dollars there in donations, and then also ASPCA for the animals and uh, food bank for uh, malnourished um, and undernourished. So um, love, love, love the the cause driven, uh, mission driven companies uh, like you guys have at uh, at Johnny Packer uh, Eyewear, I, I, I uh, which is really cool. Uh, on top of that, um, on the Make-A-Wish Arizona board, uh, really love helping out with Make-A-Wish Mississippi as well uh, with Allison over there and one of my classmates, Sonny Desai, is the chairman of the board over there. And then a uh, member of the Young Presidents organization uh, here in Scottsdale as well. Um, so just really trying to trying to have some fun, uh, be a good family man, and, uh, and try to con- contribute to the community as well. It sounds like we need to hire you to uh, to help us do a little marketing so we can we can raise some more funds for for CF. It sounds like you're taking off over there. Yeah, well, yeah I, I tell you what, as you, as you guys know, when when you when people see your why and your why is really big, um, you know, like on this show, you know, for for CF, um, similar to ours with with Make a Wish and uh, guys, I tell you what, uh, there are so many great um, organizations out there, so many great nonprofits, um, you know, and I know the cystic, you know, uh, CF Foundation is incredible, uh, but, you know, with, with Make-A-Wish as well, um, when you talk about, you know, a kid going through a, a, a chronic illness and going through all the treatments and whether if it's, you know, cancer, going through the chemo and all the tests. And you can brighten their day and put a smile on their face and their family's face and give them that hope, strength, and joy that we always talk about. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's better than anything else you could ever do. It's better than anything you could ever buy yourself, any, any other experience you can have. Uh, it's transformational. Uh, so I'm so glad to hear that you guys are doing the same thing, giving back. Uh, and it's definitely become more, part of my DNA and my company's DNA. And uh, we're going to be doing that for a long, long time. Awesome. Well, how'd you end up in Arizona? Do you have any any family there? Did you did you kind of move out there to start with this company, or how how'd all that go? 
I was searching for water and uh, wound up wound up in the desert out here. Um, no, I was, I was playing over in Italy and uh, um, came out here to rehab with uh, the son's doctors on my knees and was able to get them good enough to go back for one more year, kind of limp through that final year and uh, came back here, was rehab my knees again and just couldn't quite get them up to up to par um and end up staying out here i started announcing uh college basketball uh flying i was flying from phoenix to atlanta once a week uh to do the sports sports night show on comcast um so it was a lot of traveling um and obviously i got got a bunch of games did uh did conference usa uh was their main conference usa guy um and then also sunbelt was the main sunbelt guy for comcast as well uh, and through that process of announcing flying back and forth from Phoenix, I was able to meet my uh, my beautiful wife out here, and uh, we decided to stay. Uh, and, and here, ten years later, um, you know, we're definitely part of the community and love living out here. Nice. So, what years were you were you Conference USA? Because because I'm in Memphis now, so you know, University of Memphis was part of Conference USA for a while there, and. I was here when we, you know, they lost the national championship and all that stuff. So were you involved around that time? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, um, I was able to announce quite a few Memphis games uh, when Coach Calipari was there and then also when Coach Pasner was there. Um, and it's kind of fun. I got to announce uh, when Memphis was number one, they played UAB. Mm-hmm. Um, and UAB had a guy transferred from Indiana, Robert Baden, and it was just a classic game, went into overtime over at UAB. And, uh, that game, uh, I became a, the youngest guy to, uh, to announce a number one ranked, uh, number one ranked team that night, which was pretty cool, but it was an incredible game. And, uh, obviously the, you know, the FedEx forum, uh, those are some really fun times. Coach Cal and coach Pastner had that place packed and rocking. And now, obviously, Penny Penny's doing the same thing. So Memphis basketball yeah. is in good hands, for sure. Yeah, some of those UAB Memphis games they were they were tight, and and it just seemed like it was going to just break out into a brawl at any moment during some of those games. <laughs> yeah, so UAB's had some players, and they got they got Andy Andy Kennedy now. So I think they're going to be yeah. back on the rise as well. He did some great things, obviously, at Ole Miss and. Uh, that was a big, big hire for them. Uh, a lot of people were surprised he left, you know, cushy spot at ESPN to go over there. Um, but you know, he's from there, and you know, great program. I got a feeling they're gonna they're gonna be causing some trouble in the NCAA tournament in the years to come here. Well, well Shane, kind of tell us uh, how you. Uh, I know a lot of people know you from your Mississippi State days. You listen to this podcast probably, but tell us a little bit about. Uh, how you got started in college basketball. I know you were at Iowa State and then you transferred. Tell us about how that started. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I started at Iowa State um, and and had some great experiences there. Um, And I've mentioned this in the past, but the people in Ames, Iowa, really remind me of the people in in Starkville, Mississippi. Uh, Just really good people, super high character, high integrity, um, and they're about other people. They really love other people. Um, and that's one thing that drew me to Iowa State initially. Um, just the people are incredible. Uh, you guys have probably seen their games for, for Hilton Magic, they call it. And 
guys, it didn't matter. The one difference between there versus kind of the SEC, it didn't matter if you were playing, you know, whoever, some, some team from some small team from South Dakota or North Dakota or some small team from Minnesota. There were 15,000 fans there. Um, I'll never forget my first year. I, you know, we were ranked as high as number two in the country that year. <clears throat> but I remember showing up to a game, or sorry, showing up to shoot around. And it was, you know, it was about four hours before the game. Uh, it was negative 30 wind chill. And in negative 30 wind chill, um, there, was, there was literally probably four or 5,000 people waiting in line four hours before the game outside. Uh, to get in and get good seats. And that's really, I was blessed. That's how it was all two of my years there. Uh, incredible fans, incredible people. And it's fortunate enough to, to be the sixth man on the, uh, on the Big 12 champs that year. Uh, we won the Big 12 title. Uh, had some great, great senior leadership that really taught me how to be a college player. You know, you think you know, obviously, you know, it was a top, top 50 top 100 high school player coming out, you know, thought, thought I, you know, thought I knew um, what it would take, but when you get there, it's a whole different level. And we had a group of seniors and Paul Shirley, Cantrell Horton, you know, Jamal Tinsley, uh, Marcus Pfizer worked out with us in the summer before he uh, went to the draft and got drafted third overall by the bulls. Um, but, but guys that really set the tone guys, those, those strength and conditioning workouts, were incredible on that team. We had 12 guys, uh, and I actually got there myself, 12 guys that benched over 350 pounds. You talk about mentally and physically tough. I, I'm still thankful to this day because those guys set the tone for me. They, they helped me become a man. They helped me become a successful college basketball player and helped me learn what it was going to take for me to lead later on in my career. Um, so I, I look back at Iowa State with, with, with a grateful heart, very appreciative. Uh, the people there are awesome. Had some great teammates. You know, my roommate was Jake Sullivan, who I still think to this day is, is one of the best shooters in the history of basketball. And, yeah, I just said in the history of basketball, I will put Jake Sullivan, Jake Sullivan, <laughs> Rick Mount, Steph Curry. Uh, I mean, those, those are my top shooters of all time. Um, you know, there's not too many people that are going to outshoot them. Um, and it was just – it was a lot of fun. Uh, unfortunately, there at the end, you know, obviously, you know, you, you saw some of the uh, the issues in the press with, uh, you know, with with, with uh, the coaches' struggles, if you will. And you know, it was unfortunately time time to leave. Uh, you know, you only get four years of eligibility, um, and you got to protect those as a player. And you know, I wanted my last two to be fruitful and not to be marred in, in controversy and, and distractions and. I uh, had to make a really life-changing, very, very, very difficult decision. Um, and you guys know where that led me, and, and, and the rest is history. But that's, that's how I made the decision to leave and, you know, could, could not be happier and more appreciative on where it led me. Was that year – so you had to sit out, I guess, between your, your last year there at Mississippi State – what did you do for that year you were sitting out? That that seems like that'd be a tough a tough year to to do that. Yeah, great question. Um, it actually it was it was probably the toughest year of my life, and and not not because of the reason I couldn't play in the games. 
So after I left Iowa State, I was I was training, you know, really hard, and um, that was my first knee injury. And mm. I just kept telling some something just kept getting worse. I felt I felt it the day before we played in the NCAA tournament at Iowa State, um, and it just kept getting worse uh, through workouts a couple weeks after, and and it was it was getting pretty bad by the time I was leaving. And sure enough, it just got worse. So I actually could not play basketball for over 18 months. Um, <clears throat> in fact, a lot of the doctors said they didn't think I'd, I'd ever be able to play again um, just because the cartilage just kept chipping off. Um, you know, kind of the same type of thing Jonathan Bender had, um, you know, and some other, some other NBA guys have had, Allen Houston. <clears throat> Once that cartilage starts chipping off, you know, the, the structural integrity, the, you know, the smoothness, all that stuff goes away. It becomes extremely, extremely painful. Um, so I couldn't play for 18 months, guys. I couldn't, I couldn't walk downstairs. Um, I couldn't, couldn't hardly bend. Uh, it was rough. And, you know, I, I say to this day, because <clears throat> there was nothing medically that fixed me. Um, I say to this day that, that, that God healed me. Um, and I, I really believe that I remember just praying at night in my, you know, my apartment in Starkville, you know, please, please, you know, please fix this. Um, you know, here I am at a new school, um, and, and not being able to play and, and be out there on the court with your teammates. It was, it was a very, very, very challenging year. <clears throat> so it kind of led to two things. One, I didn't ha have anywhere else to compete besides the classroom, <clears throat> So that's when I started getting really serious about my education. Um, and that was a huge plus that came out of it. <clears throat> and, and then number two, you start realizing, you know, you're halfway through your college career. You're not even able to get on the court that all the stuff is going to pass very quick. And all, all the, you know, all the experiences, right, that you get to get to live out on college basketball how, you know, how appreciative you have to be of those, you know, you, you take for granted, oh, I get to, you know, fly in a, in a charter jet to Lexington, Kentucky, stay in the best hotel in Lexington, get my meals set up for me, you know, and all the team meals. And then I get to go play in, in Rupp Arena, you know, on ESPN in front of millions of people. And then, oh, by the way, I get to jump back on that charter jet with my teammates you know, and, and go back to Starkville and, and you start realizing that, hey, this is going to pass in a couple of years. There's not going to be any more charter jets for a while, at least. Um, and, you know, there's not going to be catered meals and there's not going to be, you know, the level of, of care that you have with the trainers. And Scotty Johnson to this day is a good friend. He was our athletic trainer at Mississippi State. And you start really appreciating the little things. And I'm grateful for that because I think that's one thing that play, most players, when you're in it, you don't get a chance to really appreciate and, and enjoy the moment. And when you get a chance to step back because, because you're injured, it gives you a whole different perspective. And I started appreciating all of the little things. I started appreciating my, my educational opportunities as well and started really competing in the classroom and you know, basically went from like a 3.0 or 3.2 at Iowa State to, you know, 4.0, you know, 3.8 at Mississippi State. And it's because, I, you know, I understood the importance that this wasn't going to last forever and I better make the most of it. And guys, one thing I lived out at Mississippi State that I would tell any, any college athlete, no matter what sport you're in, 
is you only have, you know, four, maybe five years of eligibility, leave no regrets, leave everything on the floor. You know, you can wait to, to party. You can wait to, you know, you know, chase, you know, you can wait to chase the, uh, uh, you know, the, the opposite sex, uh, you know, you can wait to chase the girls or the guys. If you're one of the girls players, you can, you can wait for all of that until when you're done, but focus in on your education, on your sport, you'll have plenty of time for the rest of the stuff after. And in fact, you know, I kind of feel like that's what grad school is for, but I really live no regrets. And that's the one thing I can look back and say every single practice, no matter if no one else is in the gym, every single game, every single treatment, every single time I was supposed to be on bed on time, every time I was supposed to eat right, I did. And because of that, I literally live with no regrets. And yes, you know, I would have liked to go on farther in the tournament a couple of years and stuff like that, but that's not always in your control. The things you can control live with no regrets and you'll, you'll have fond, fond memories uh, and fruitful memories as well. Yeah, that is awesome. I mean, you know, obviously we wish we would have gotten a little further too, but I mean, talking about memories, because John Clark and I were students at the same time and man, I mean that those games, I mean, we just, we could not wait until the next game every, you know, every week. And we took some road trips and I mean, it, it was a blast. I mean, even if we didn't make it out of the way, it's, it's still one of the, one of the biggest things I remember about my time at Mississippi state. So um, one of our favorite games was the uh, the Alabama game where we clinched the SEC. We were all at that game in, in Tuscaloosa, and man, that was that was an exciting game there. You remember yeah, much about, about that? One? <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it depends on which half. I try to forget the yeah. first half, and uh, yeah, we <laughs> got remember we got, a lot. We got a funny story about that. We got a funny story about that. The first half, uh, me and Brandon, we were sitting with some friends, and uh, man, there was an Alabama guy right in front of us, just just giving it to us the whole game. He's so cocky, man, just just going at it. And we're like, gosh, this is rough. And then y'all made that comeback, and I uh, forced it up overtime. And we looked up, the guy was long gone. He didn't even <laughs> he wasn't even there. So, uh, but we talk about that game often. Matter of fact, I tell Brandon and other people. I've yet to have been back to a game at Coleman Coliseum, and I probably will never go back to another game at Coleman Coliseum because just the way the ending of that game was. And gosh, what a what a day that was to to win the SEC outright. It was just a, such a special special uh, memory. So uh, I guess just talk a little bit about that game, Shane, and, and anything else you want to talk about about your career at State. We'd love to hear. Yeah, absolutely. Well. Uh, as you guys mentioned, you know, the fans, uh, you know, at the time, the Ricks Rowdies, fans were incredible. And, and you guys are right. Those those two years, um, those are the most fun I've ever had. Um, absolutely. You, you could just feel the energy, the momentum, all, you know, both of those years. Uh, the energy on campus was incredible. Um, you know, I wasn't I, I wasn't there when when we had uh, the great football teams that we've had with Dak and, and other players. Um, and I'm sure the energy was like that on campus and the whole, the whole town. Um, but that's what it was like back in those days. You could just literally feel the energy and the momentum <clears throat> around campus and, and around town. And again, credit to the fans. You guys made it absolutely incredible. Um, you know, I, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think, um, you know, you'd be able to top those two years. Um, but going over to Alabama, 
I remember coming in on the bus and lots of times these announcers and, and people on TV, they think, you, you know, they think you know all the stuff that they're talking about, right? When, when, guys, when you're playing, you're playing, let's say you're playing a road game, you got to fly back, right? You're worried about getting some sleep. Then you got to go to, you know, go, go to classes and then you got to go to practice. And, you know, then you're going to bed, jumping up, doing the same thing. And, and you might have a game that next night or the following night. You're focused on that scouting report. And there, I mean, there's a hundred different things you got to go through uh, on that scouting report and really know like the back of your hand. <clears throat> so a lot of the, a lot of the context, if you will, on, you know, if state does this, this is what means in the conference and the standings. You don't know any of that stuff, just to be honest. So I remember driving in the bus. We're driving through Tuscaloosa from the hotel to the, uh, to the stadium, to Coleman, Coleman uh, Coliseum. And the radio's on. And the radio says, and this is the first time we had all heard this, the radio says, if Mississippi State beats Alabama today, they'll be the – uh, they will not have to share the SEC title with Kentucky, and they'll be the outright champ, right? And we were so focused on the game. Maybe Coach had told us that. Maybe he hadn't. But we were just focused on the details, right? <clears throat> but that was the first time I remember looking around, and, and some of us were like, hey, you know, we ain't sharing this, baby. We ain't sharing this with Kentucky. Like, let's. this is all ours. This is all ours. So we went in that game focused. Obviously, the first half was – uh, we hit a buzzsaw, and, and that Alabama team, I mean, they were as talented as they came. They were some ball players. now. They were athletic. They could shoot the absolute lights out. They were tough. They were competitive. Uh, Coach Gottfried had those guys. They were one of the toughest outs, you know, I've ever played. And they were a buzzsaw that first half. Uh, but we had been there before, and that's that's why the way you practice, the way you carry yourself, a champion is a champion all the time, not just at certain times. And we knew we could come back. We knew what it was going to take. And I literally just remember that second half, just literally, literally scratching and clawing. I remember a play on the sideline where I, you know, I kind of hip bumped a guy and, and Timmy bumped a guy and, the, the, you know, the guy, you know, uh, lost his balance and fell out of bounds. I remember Timmy walking uh, into, the, into the free throw lane, as you guys probably do, as the crowd booed, just to throw Ernest Shelton off who never missed a free throw and Ernest, you know, Ernest missed. I remember, you know, Brandon Vincent tipping a couple balls with the very, very top of his finger um, that we ended up getting. I think Frazier ended up getting on some steals. Um, when I say it was a game of inches to come back against a team that good, um, down, you know, down 17, 18 points, it literally was a game of inches. Um, and it took, <laughs> took to the very last second, as you guys saw, um, and Timmy Bowers, you know, credit to him. I feel like he's one of the best all around guards, uh, I've ever played with or ever seen. Uh, and I truly mean that. I think he, I think, you know, today's game, he would be an absolute star in the NBA, not, not a role player. I think he would actually be a starter and a star. That's how much I think of him. Um, and he made a star play at the end of that game. Uh, he wanted, he just flat out wanted it more than uh, the guy against him. And he was poised enough to take his time, take his time, take his time. And then finally, once he got around that baseline, go up and score that. Um, that was one of the most satisfying victories I've had in the game of basketball because of the inches it took and the focus, you know, to come back step by step to win that game. 
And then when that buzzer went off and, and, you know, we were all jumping around and hugging, it was like, you know what? It's all ours, baby. It's all Mississippi States. And you just got goosebumps. And all of our fans there in Coleman Coliseum were going nuts. And, you know, that, that party and that happiness continued for a couple of days. It was incredible. And I'm still getting goosebumps thinking about that. So, <laughs> um, are there <laughs> any other games that, that stand out to you really um, that, that uh, I can think of a couple that were really close like that. It seems like at South Carolina, we pulled one out on the road and uh, is there anything else that stands out to you while you were there like that? Oh, absolutely. Uh, especially that year. I think we came back on the road where we were down and down double figures. I think we came back 10 or 11 times down double figures. <clears throat> so one of the games that sticks out, we weren't down, but we came out against a Florida team in the O-Dome um, that obviously had, you know, super, um, you know, super highly rated coach, super highly rated team, had a bunch of five-star players on that team. And they were used to pressing and just really, you know, wreaking havoc. And we came out and we just cut up their press all day long. And we shot open threes and we shot layups and, and you know, and our big guys were just flying around the rim, dunking it. <clears throat> and we just absolutely strategically dismantled their press and literally ran them out of their home arena in the O-Dome in front of a packed house on, on, you know, on ESPN. That was a game that we were pretty satisfied. You know, they were, they were favored. It was at their house and we just kicked their butt on their home turf. Um, that was an incredible feeling. That South Carolina game you mentioned, I'll never forget uh, either. Um, we had a, a couple of bumps and bruises at the end of the game. Timmy actually got knocked out. Uh, our, our buddy, Dennis Buse, Denny Ray Buse, uh, came in to shoot free throws. I don't think he missed a free throw uh, in practice all year. <laughs> but, boy, it's, it's a different thing now. I'm just telling you, when you're on the floor there and you get the the adrenaline flow and, and, and the energy and you're you're pushing somebody who's 260 pounds and you're running through screens and then all of a sudden you got to go up to that free throw line. It's a different deal. And, uh, and my good buddy, Denny Ray, man, game was on the line. And, and uh, <clears throat> Coach Stansberry gave him a pep talk. And, uh, you know, didn't go as well at the free throw line as, as we thought, as we thought it would. Um, and we, we still tease him to this day, but uh, man, the team, the team eked that one out. I remember a couple charges we took at the end of the game. Um, and I'll say that was one of the best atmospheres I've been in. Uh, people downplay sometimes South Carolina's atmosphere. It's a beautiful gym, beautiful gym. And that, that day they whited out their stadium. There's 15,000 fans and it was an incredible, incredible atmosphere. Another one that not a lot of not a lot of Hale State people got to see was when we played Santa Clara. I think we were down 15 to Santa Clara at their gym. Um, you know, we had spent a couple of days in the hotel um, there without getting out too much in San Francisco, and uh, went there. And honestly, we're kind of you know kind of just had those hotel legs, if you will. Um, you know, and, and just just you know weren't in the flow, and it took us. Took us about midway through the second half to get in the flow, but we came back from 15 against a really good team, uh, really well coached team as well. And and again, tied that one up with a buzzer. Uh, Timmy Bowers hitting a deep, deep three in transition uh, and winning that one as well. Um, not a lot of state fans got to see that being on the West Coast, but it was an incredible, incredible game and an incredible uh, scramble to the end uh, by our team as well. But there were so many of those, um, and, and you guys probably remember one that still stings, 
but really changed our season and, and really, you know, increased our toughness and our mentality and got us so lasered in was that Kentucky game we lost at home where we're up. I think we're up four or five with a minute to go. Um, I think Eric Daniels ended up tipping, tipping one in at the buzzer to beat us. Um, you know, I was, I was on TV as well. And we had that game. We knew we had that game. I remember being at half court and, and Winston Frazier's at the free throw line. And I looked up and I was like, wow, we just beat Kentucky, you know, and I've never done that in a game before, but I, I felt it like, wow, we, we just beat Kentucky. Uh, Frazier, you know, which he never did. He missed the front end of the one-on-one there. Uh, a couple of things went wrong and, Daniels tipped that in. Literally, it was the biggest gut punch I've ever had in basketball. Um, and I remember that next morning. I remember we all went to class. We wanted to make sure, as gut punch as we were, everyone had shown up for us all season. And it was like, you know what? I'm not being the guy that that, that pouts, you know, pouts in my apartment because we got beat and sulking. Uh, as a team, we all got up and we went to our 8 a.m. class that next day. Um, and I'll never forget it. Um, the communications professor, um, big tall guy, uh, John, and I'm forgetting his last name right now. Um, John Ford. Yes. 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 Thank you, John Clark. Yes. And went to his class and, and it was so, so gracious on his part. Um, I remember he stopped class and he just said, Hey, one, I want to thank you for showing up here this morning. And I want to thank you for the heck of the effort you gave last night. And we're, we're all behind you. And the whole class kind of rallied, rallied, you know, rallied around, rallied around us in that class. Um, and that, that was one of the best feelings ever. Like that's, you, you truly felt like you were a part of the community at that point. And, and people cared about you as a person, not just a basketball player. Um, so I'll never forget that. So thank you to Professor Ford and, and, you know, all the students. That was a huge class. There's probably hundred students in that class. Um, you know, that's what it's about, right? That's the stuff that you'll never forget. Um, and that's what makes Starkville so special. Like how many other campuses would that have happened on where the professor would take time to stop the class and acknowledge the effort the night before? Um, so one of the reasons I just absolutely love, you know, people from Mississippi State and, and the city of Starkville, and it's, it's forever, forever part of me. Well, I know y'all were uh, during that season. I mean, I don't know if this has ever been done or, or you don't hear much of it. I mean, y'all were titled the Road Warriors, if I'm correct. Y'all, y'all never lost a single game on the road that year. Is that right? That is right. That is right. I got, I got that <laughs> championship ring, and I am most proud of that one. You know, we got, yeah. we got one at Iowa State. We got one for winning the SEC tournament. Um, and then we got the Road Warriors ring. That's the one I wear for special occasions. Um, that's the one I'm most proud of is going undefeated on the road. I believe it takes the mentality, you know, of, of a warrior. You're going in there with, you know, your whole crew is probably 30 people between the fans that, you know, ride, ride the bus and the plane with you, you know, your, uh, your training staff, uh, your student managers, you know, the team. And if it's far away, you know, there might be 15 or 20, you know, fans that flew in or whatever, you know, if it's a far away game. So maybe your crew of 50 people against 15,000, that always fired us up. We love that challenge. It's like, let's go in there. Let's get our game on this court. Let's beat them on their home floor. Let's take that victory and let's get the heck back out of here and go back to Starkville. Um, 
And we loved that mentality. We relished it. It fired us up, uh, took us to another level. Um, and <clears throat> really cool being with the team. The only other team I felt that with um, that type of toughness was that team at Iowa State my freshman year when it was all senior led. You know, two of those guys played in the NBA. They had that toughness. And then, you know, that prepared me to be with that team my junior year. That team had that toughness as well. We talk about Brandon Vincent and Timmy Bowers and Lawrence Roberts and Winsome Frazier, you know, Marcus Campbell and Wesley Morgan and you keep going. But, you know, Tara Harper, that team had that toughness and really relished the opportunity to go into somebody else's arena and, (laughs) and quiet that arena and steal that victory from them. Uh, we love that, and that Road Warriors ring, I will always wear that with pride because I know the toughness and the focus it took to get that thing. Well, we could probably sit here and talk about this for two hours, so I know you, you've probably got, got other things to do, but I will say that, <laughs> that we do have to take some credit for this because we were very superstitious as fans, and we always had a very specific order that we had to sit in, um, we had to listen to uh, Justin Timberlake, uh, Crimea River, before every game. And the, game, <laughs> the Kentucky game, something got something got messed up. The Ricks Rowdies kind of messed up our seating arrangement. And um, we didn't listen to Crimea River. And so we'll take some credit for, for that loss, too. But, um, you know, uh, but, yeah, so just I mean, <laughs> great memories. And uh, we still talk about it today. Um, but just kind of transition, uh, tell us a little bit about what you think about the the team. It looks like we've got some, you know, exciting year maybe coming up this next year with some transfers and some of that going on. I feel like this is the year we get over the hump. Um, the coaching staff has done an unbelievable job in what truly is the toughest time in the history of college basketball with this transfer, transfer portal. Um, <clears throat> I'm Honestly, I'm glad to kind of see it because I think it makes – I think it's waking everybody up to, hey, coaches transfer every, you know, every single year <clears throat> without any penalty. And in fact, they transfer every single year for a lot more money and all that fun stuff. You know, why shouldn't the players be treated, you know, same manner the coaches are? And there's there's lots of sides to that argument. <clears throat> and I'm not saying it should go that way permanently. All I'm saying is I think it wakes us up to, hey, you know, let's give the players the same type of rights the coaches have. Uh, and if it gets too far out of whack and unbalanced, you know, stuff like this starts to happen. Um, but I like the fact because it, it's one of those things. It's like if you're a business and you don't have long-term contracts, you got to perform every single day. So that customer keeps coming back to you. And that's how I kind of feel in this transfer process. If you're developing your players, if if you're treating them right, if you're treating them like men on and off the floor and you're providing, you know, uh, support on their education and you're doing all the things that you need to do, you're talking to them when it gets tough, you're there for them. Most of the time, those players aren't going to leave. Now, there is some culture issues now where it's kind of a, you know, people want success immediately. I get that. So that percentage is going to do what they're going to do. Um, but you're seeing, you know, you're not seeing a DJ Stewart, you know, or Iverson or, 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 uh, you know, Derek Fountain or, or any of those guys leave. I think our staff's doing things the right way. I think they care about our players. I think our staff treats them with respect. 
which sounds, you know, sounds easy, but it's not always done uh, across the country. And <clears throat> I think this makes the coaches and the coaching staffs and the university, I think it gives them a focus on we better take care of our players in the right way, right, and develop them. Because otherwise, you know, they can go anywhere they want in this transfer portal. Um, but getting to our staff, they've kept a lot of good guys. Obviously, I was, I was sad to see uh, uh, Devion Smith go. Uh, <clears throat> he was really coming in, coming on the end of the season there. I still think he had a lot of, uh, <clears throat> a lot of things to improve on to be that, that winning championship point guard. Um, but you could see he was starting to go in that direction. He had a real... I call it the dog in him. He had a real dog in him where, you know, he, he really light up at the opportunity and the challenge. So I was sad to see him go. Um, but, man, have they come up big with, you know, with Garrison Brooks, with DJ Jeffries on uh, the recruiting trail with, with Alden Applewhite. Um, you know, and then you combine that with, you know, hopefully Iverson and DJ and, and Derek and, uh, and Cam. Uh, and Tolu, um, you know, I think we got a chance to be really good next year. Um, they're going to have some challenges this summer and just really figuring out, you know, how to play with this new team. Um, I think all great, all great programs are able to tweak their system a little bit according to their personnel. So it will be interesting how the coaches tweak it. You know, when you have, you know, if you think about down low, you know, you got Garrison who I think can score a lot more than he's shown. Um, you know, and he did have, I don't know, it was 20, 20 point games or whatever at UNC. Um, you got Tolu who can really score. Um, you know, you got DJ who's, you know, kind of a three, four, uh, who can really score as well. Um, you know, you add that with, with Iverson and DJ who are probably the best scoring combo in the SEC, um, you know, in the backcourt, <clears throat> it's going to be interesting to see what type of offense coach runs what kind of tweaks he does there. And then if this team can really come together um, and just have that chemistry and that toughness together that it takes to win an SEC championship. But if they can do some of those things, the talent is certainly there. Um, and what I like is, you know, they've got the talent and they've got something to prove, right? You know, and I, I love this staff. So this is a, a loving comment. But I think the staff really wants to go to the next level. I think they want to break through. I think they want to go to a Sweet 16. I think, you know, I think they, they want it more than anything. It's a, it's a heck of a staff, no question, a storied, you know, storied history. I think they're dying to go to that next level at Mississippi State. I think these players are dying to go to that next level. And that makes us dangerous. Because in basketball, there's two, there's two rules in the game of basketball. The team that gets the most easy baskets usually wins. So that means getting easy baskets on offense, not giving up easy baskets on defense. That single thing right there, you can stop. You know, if you want to figure out how to how to how to coach and, and have a winning team, the team that gets the most easy baskets usually wins. And then the hungriest, most aggressive team usually wins. And I think we got a chance to be able to do both of those. And I think our hunger will be off the charts and should be off the charts. And I hope they come out with that chip on their shoulder. It was something to prove this year so we can all all celebrate an NCAA tournament appearance. And honestly, I think this team can go to the Sweet 16 and beyond if they come together. I think so, too. Uh, I, I just hope we can get to get it back to where we can. Uh, I want the students at Mississippi State to experience what we got to experience when you guys were playing, packing the hump. I mean, 
when y'all play, played there, I mean, the hump was packed and it was rocking. And a lot of these years past, the kid uh, with a women's team doing so well, the women's side have been able to experience. But I want I want the students to experience what we got to experience at college because that when that hump is packed and and it's rocking like when you guys are doing it, it's that's a home a home court advantage right there in itself. And it, it you can feel the players feed off of the the fans. And uh, I feel like the way that we're trending with all these guys that you're talking about coming in and I think we can get those days. I really hope so. Yeah. And I saw a couple of messages on Twitter. Um, I do hope, obviously there's a lot of factors to consider and it's not, it's not an easy job being the AD at all. Um, I hope, I do hope um, somehow we're able to find a solution to get the, get the, you know, get the students, on the floor more. Um, and again, you know, whether that's behind the goals or wherever that is, <clears throat> but it just creates that atmosphere, like you said. And there, there's something about that being the college experience, looking over and, and, you know, and seeing a brand and looking over and seeing a John Clark, you know, your, your classmates, you know, your buddies right there on the floor, um, you know, seeing, seeing your, your fellow students right there and they're looking in your eye and they're like, come on, you can do this. You know, there's something special about that. And honestly, it creates relationships for years. Um, there's so many people that I'll, you know, I'll see when I'm in Destin or, or you know, back in Starkville um, that I'll recognize from those games and just go up and give a big hug. Um, you know, that that's special. And I hope we can recreate that because truly, when the hump is rocking, uh, it is it's one of the best places in America. Literally, I would put, you know, the hump. I would put Hilton Magic. You know, Oklahoma State, um, a couple of those, you know, up there is the best places to play when they are rocking. And let's get that energy back. I think with with the pandemic starting to lessen a little bit, I think, you know, come next season, I think people are going to be rearing to get out there and cheer for a great team, a team that's gone through all the steps to go to the next level. And maybe we can just be that extra difference as fans that gets them over the hump. But let's get that hump rocking. And it's, it sounds fun. I mean, I'm, I'm ready for it. So, um, Shane, we really appreciate you coming on and taking us down memory lane a little bit here. I think everybody's going to really enjoy listening to this one. Um, so if I don't, if you don't have anything else, John Clark, just I'll say bye to Shane. But I do have one more thing I had to ask you, Shane. I had some people ask me, tell us about how you had your hair so perfect. That's <laughs> one thing I always remember when you played basketball, your hair was perfect. John Clark, I thought I told you, I came out of the womb like this, baby. This is how I, <laughs> how I came out. It's been this way since birth. Uh, I, you know, I, at this point, you know, I, I almost almost forty here in a few months. I'm just glad I I'm just glad I have it because my That's head right. is way too big to be without it. You know. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, yeah, we like I'm going to just echo what Brandon said. Thanks so much for uh, joining us. It's uh. It's been great, and uh, I hope a lot of people can listen to this. and And uh, thank you for what for our college experience. You, you made uh, you and your teammates really made it special. Something we'll always have that, that bond between us. We'll always remember the special times. And uh, I just hope uh, all the future students get to experience what we did in college because it's uh, it's very very special. So uh, we appreciate you, Shane, uh, take, taking time with us today. And and uh, I hope uh, people can can learn a little bit about CF and at the same time, uh, listen to what you said. And, and it's just kind of a win-win deal. And um, that, that's all I have as well, Brent. All right, Shane. Appreciate yeah, it. 
It's been a blast being on Johnny's World again. Uh, guys, go check out go check out the awesome sunglasses. I'm getting a pair. I love the Hollywood style and the Golden Triangle. Uh, and guys, love what you're doing for CF. Uh, you know, keep that up. You're definitely making a difference. Uh, and really appreciate being on today. Thanks, gentlemen. Thanks, right. Shane. Thanks, Shane. Bye.